Well, today we continue our series on the shadows of your heart. This is part three. Part three of the shadows of your heart. And let's do a quick review of what does that mean, the shadows of your heart. Everyone has it. The shadows of your heart are the areas in your life that you do not know about. The emotions, the attitude that can deter you from having a healthy relationship. That is the shadows of your heart. And you've heard me share that the shadows of my heart as I was growing up was anger, that I didn't realize I had an anger issue as a child until I was in my early 20s. And my pastor, Pastor Baisa, and my youth leader, I call him Uncle Joey, both of them helped me with my anger. What's your shadow? These last two weeks, what have you learned about yourself? Did you take the challenge? Remember the first week, I, I asked y'all to take the challenge to ask a loved one or a professional to ask them, I want to learn more about my shadows of my heart. What are things that I do not know about, about myself that can hinder my relationship with others? How many of y'all took up that challenge? You know, if you need more guidance on that, on how to do it, I can help you with it. If you want to learn more about the shadows of your heart. Now, this is a very psychological term, but one thing I have to say is that this term, shadows of your heart, really, this idea came from David himself. David, in the book of Psalms, this is our key text that we have been studying for the last three weeks, and we are going to end it next week. The last three weeks, we've been looking at this text. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. You see, David is the one that's been asking God this whole time, search me, O God, because I want to know what is the shadow of my heart, or maybe it's shadows, maybe it's plural. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Remember that word search? It shouldn't just be search. In the Hebrew, if we were to translate that Hebrew word into our English context today, it should really say to thoroughly investigate me, O God. Thoroughly investigate me, O God, and know my heart. That word know is to know him intimately. That was the first week we looked at that phrase. And then the second week, last week, we talked about test me and know my anxious thoughts. The lesson last week was pretty much an encouragement for us that God allows us to go through the fiery furnace, allows us to go through challenges and tests so that we can learn more about ourselves. So that way we can positively learn about the shadows on how they help us in life. That we don't even realize that we were able to get through that challenge until we went through that fiery furnace. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Today, we're going to focus on verse 24, part A. See if there is any offensive way way 
in me. Do you know someone that just seems to say offensive things whenever they open their mouth? You might smile. Yeah, okay, I see some smiles right now. Head nods. Don't mention their name. <laughs> Keep that private. <laughs> but there are some people that can just open their mouth and they seem to offend others. Now, here's something I want to say about offensive, feeling offensive. Being offended to what other people say about you, that's not on them, the one that's saying the offensive thing. It's really going to be on you. You're never going to stop people from saying offensive things. However, you can control how you receive it. You can control how you're going to react to it. You can control how you're going to allow it to influence your, your life. You know my history now. I've mentioned it a few times. When I was 18, I found myself in jail. I found myself arrested. And the second I got out of jail, I went to school, I think, the next two days. Because I was in jail for one day and then didn't want to go anywhere for the next day. And then my mom didn't tell me, but forced me, said, you have to go to school. But the embarrassment that I had to endure, because words fly. Gossip just moves faster than the blink of an eye. I think gossip moves faster than the speed of light. It really does. Because by the time I got to school on that third day, classmates were looking at me and saying, man, look, look it's Ed. It's Dre. Actually, they called me Dre in school. Now I go by Ed. They said, oh, that's Dre. You know what happened to him yesterday, uh, a few days ago? Oh, man, I saw him get arrested at Surface Merchandise. Hmm. At first, I allowed my anger to, to overwhelm me. At first, I, I allowed it to get to me. But then in time, as Uncle, Uncle Joey and Pastor Bisa helped me, I realized offensive words... It doesn't have to affect me. And to this day, now, today, it no longer keeps me up at night. Offensive words. I have a friend in Dallas, 7'2". He is seven feet high and two inches. Okay, the second you hear that, 7'2", Anyone here taller than seven feet? No, right? When you hear seven two, what comes to mind? Shaq. Shaq. Okay, yeah, actually Shaq, I think, was seven two or maybe seven one, but but you're thinking of someone relatable, right? You're thinking of someone that's tall, right? Anything else? What comes to mind? Goliath. Goliath? Okay. Yeah. There's debate whether Goliath was seven feet or nine feet. We just know Goliath was tall. Does anyone think of basketball when you hear seven two? Yeah? understandably, right? So when I first met this guy, when I was a teacher in Dallas, the thing that came out of my mouth was, wow, you're tall. Do you play, finish the sentence, do you play basketball? He laughed at me and he said, sadly, I am not coordinated in any type of sports. In time, I got to know him. And then one day, when he was picking up his... Uh, children who went to school at the, at the uh, school that I taught at, he and I just talked. 
And I apologized to him, and I said, sorry, I just, that I assumed you played basketball. And he said, you know, there was a time I was very offended when people asked me that question, but I've outgrown it, and now I just think it's funny. I'm the only tall guy out there that doesn't play basketball. Of course, he's joking, because there's a lot of tall guys out there that don't play basketball. But is this what this text really means? See if there is any offensive way in me. If we look at it just in this translation, this is NIV, we would think that this text is talking about David being afraid of saying the wrong words to offend people. That's not what he's really saying. We have to go into the Hebrew in the actual way that he wrote it. And the way he wrote it can be translated in this manner. And see if my path is pain. In Hebrew, it says, Vara'ah, im derek otsev. That phrase right there means directly translated, and see if my path is pain. That has a different context now, doesn't it? It's not just being afraid to say the wrong words. It's not just being afraid to be offensive. Now what David is really saying here is, I want to know if my path, my trajectory, the direction that I am heading in my life, I want to know if I'm going towards idolatry. That is a different context. So if you were going to read the previous verse, see if there is any offensive way in me, what that should really uh, say then is, see if my path to lead me to idolatry. Exactly. The word path in the Hebrew is derek. If you know anyone uh, with the name Derek, you can tell them, hey, your name means way, road, path journey, or behavior. That's what Derek means. And then the Hebrew word for um, offensive, from what the NIV states, really comes from the Hebrew word otsev, which means idolatry, pain, or sorrow. Now, why is idolatry, the word otsev, synonymous with pain or sorrow because this word otsev is talking about you are on such a path that's going to bring pain not only to you but also affect the lives around you. Think of David's story again. We've been going back to his story here and there. Did his sin did the shadows of his heart affect anyone else in his life? Oh, you bet you it did. I'm talking about the sin with Bathsheba. I think it was Eric and I that was talking last week, and Eric brought up a good point that in the book of 1 Samuel, it tells us that when other kings went out to fight, 
what did David do? He didn't fight with his men. He stayed behind. And why did he stay behind? I have come to believe that he has been looking at Bathsheba in a very lustful way for a very long time. And he didn't let that shadow, uh, he didn't let that shadow come to light. He let that thing simmer inside there for days, perhaps weeks, until to the point where his men were out fighting, he, the king, said, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to fight because I want to spy. With my little eyes, I want to look at that lady that I should not be looking at. You know the rest of the story? You know the sorrow, the pain, the embarrassment that he put on his household, on his kingdom? And as he takes Bathsheba in a very wrongful way to be his wife, what happens in the future days? So his pain and sorrow is not just days or weeks, it's also years. If anything, it's a generation that after him, he experiences civil war. Do you see the dangers of the shadows of your heart, if you are not aware of it. Up to this point, the last two weeks, I've been talking about emotions. Shadows of your heart can be a bad habit, but it doesn't mean it can, it's a sin. But what I'm bringing up today is that if your shadows of your heart goes unchecked, if you refuse to look at it, it can follow the path to pain or sorrow. You s remember this graph? I showed this graph to y'all last week. Last week we were talking about emotions that David saw no distinction. There was no separation between emotions and mental health or mental ability. The, the ability to process two plus two equals four, right? There's no separation. To David, they were the same thing. David was very attuned to emotions. Now, we're talking about the path to sorrow, the path to pain. Where is sorrow in this list? It's under sadness. It's synonymous with grief. It's synonymous with despair and depression. Now, if you were to look at this graph, uh, I, should have I should have created another slide because some of these emotions, if you were to look at a scale of 1 through 10, let's say 1 are emotions that are short-lived, and then 10 are emotions that can last days or weeks or years, right? If that's 10 and then 1 is short-lived, anger, disgust, enjoyment, those are usually the ones that are number one. I'm saying usually because sometimes it can last longer, okay? But it's usually there's an angry outburst, right? Or you feel joy uh, for that short while when the Denver Broncos finally score a touchdown, right? There's that joy and then it leaves you. But then there are some emotions that are level 10 that stays for a long time. And that's why otsev is synonymous to pain, 
idolatry and sorrow because that idolatry sits with a person. Not days, not weeks. In David's case, a generation. Or you can say generations. Where else do you see the word idol in the Bible or idolatry? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, it's the second commandment that says, you shall not make for yourself a what? An idol. However, and as I researched this, I realized this word idol that Moses uses in his passage is not otsev, however, it is Pesel. And Pesel can be translated as idol or image. So what's the difference between the two? Well, you're going to need to compare and contrast Pesel to Otsev. Okay, just so you have the context. Pesel is the one in our second commandment. Thou shalt not have no idols uh, before me. That's Exodus 20 verse 4. Otsev is in the text, our key text today, which is Psalm 139 24. See if there is any, see if, there, if my path is idolatrous, right? Or uh, idolatry. Pesel talks about the idol or image in physical form. The best example I can give you is when Moses was on top of the mountain, what happened to the people of Israel? Yeah, the golden calf. They thought Moses had abandoned them. Therefore, if Moses abandoned them, they thought God abandoned them. And if God has abandoned them, they need a God to serve. So what did they do? do? They created a false God with gold. They created the golden calf, right? They created the golden calf in physical form that every single person around that community can see and worship this calf. That's Pesel. It's external. It's visible. You can actually reach out and touch the golden calf. Pesel. Otsev is different. Otsev, which can be synonymous to pain, sorrow, or idol, is the kind of idolatry that's inside your heart. Up to this point, I don't know, maybe you're with me on this. Up to this point, I always thought idols were a physical thing. I thought it's something I can put inside my house and worship or put up inside my church or outside in the park. I thought idols are just something that's tangible, but no. According to David, Otsev, it's the idol that stirs up inside your heart, the shadows of your heart. It's internal, and because it's internal, it's unseen. And could it be possible that I can put my best Sabbath clothes, go to church, and fool everyone. Wow. That's heavy stuff. So as I look at this, I wonder, what's more dangerous? Pestle 
or otsev? I would think it's otsev. Otsev is more dangerous. I mean, Pesel. Let's use Pesel in another example. A few weeks ago, or I think a couple of months ago, I preached on Gideon. Remember Judges chapter 6? Before Gideon went out to lead the Lord's army, what did he have to do? He had to go back to his father's house in his father's, I guess you can say, land and remove the pestle, the tangible idol. I have to say this, why was Gideon able to do it? I believe Gideon did not have otsev in his heart. He did not have idolatry in his heart. That thing that his father worshipped, that Asherah pole that was dedicated to Baal worship, he didn't care about it. So when God told him, tear it down and then lead my people, Gideon didn't even hesitate. I mean, he was scared, mind you, so he did it at night, but he didn't hesitate. He didn't argue with God. He said, sure, I don't have otsev in my heart. That's a, that's a pestle. I'll go ahead and take my axe and hack it down. And that's what he did. That's why I think Otsev is far more dangerous than pestle. Because you might not even know it's there. The shadows of your heart. This is a reality check. Not just for you, but for me. I'm included in this because I am human and human is to err. We're all included in this. And the reason why I'm sharing this message is because I want us, we're, I think I'm calling us a new church. We're five years old, six years old, but we're still a new church and we're growing and people are wondering about us. I want us to be the most heartful, sincere, hungry for the Holy Spirit type of church. I don't want us to just go to church, play church. I want, us to, I want us to go to church because we really want genuine fellowship with one another, but most of all with God. And for us to do that, we need to understand the shadows of the heart. We need to understand what makes us tick. We need to understand inner self-awareness. Our prayer, have any one of you ever prayed David's prayer before? Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if I have a path to idolatry. That should be your prayer every single day. There's no one else in this world that can show you the shadows of your heart. I'm a trained professional. I can do some exercises. I can do some activities. However, however, I'm not God. Your, sp your spouse is not God. The only one that can truly show you what your shadows are is God himself. God himself. Idolatry in the heart. Here's what our SDA commentaries, and this is how it defines idolatry. The substitution of anything in the heart 
in the place of God, that's idolatry. Now, of course, someone might say, that can be very focused just for Adventist teachings. Well, let me show you what the Bible says. Sola Scriptura says, put, uh, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is what? What is greed? Idolatry. According to Paul in Colossians 3.5, greed is idolatry because greed argues with God and says, God, I'm not ready to give up the sexual immoral, uh, immorality. I'm not ready to give up the impurities. I'm not ready to give up the lust. I'm not ready. I'm too greedy. I want to hold on to it. That in itself is the idolatry, the otsev that is inside the heart. One way to determine if you have otsev is to assess how stubborn you are. Assess how stubborn you are. Has a friend ever tried to give you advice? Or your spouse? Or a teacher? And you only find yourself saying, no, you're wrong. Maybe that's otsev. Otsev. I want to end with this thought, raised with Christ. For you to really appreciate Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, you have to read the preceding verses. And this is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. That's what we're talking about today, right? Shadows of your heart. Instead of having shadows of your heart, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's one of the reasons why we have otsev. Because this world, this sinful world tells us, hey, you can have this. That contradicts God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in wonderful, great, and awesome glory. If you don't want that shadow in your heart, if you don't want otsev, you need to set your hearts on things above. The Greek word there is zeteete, which is zeteo, in Greek, zeteo really means to seek. So the word here, set, it can really be translated as seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Maybe that's the reason why some people have otsev. Because we're looking too low when we should be looking high. The thing about seek, the beautiful thing about seek, is that you lost something that is so valuable to you that it's not just a want, but it's a need. 
that you will do anything to everything to look for it. That's seek. I can't remember how old I was, I think in my late 20s, and I remember going to the mall right before a few days before Christmas. One of those last minute gifts that I had to buy for all people, my mom. I went to Macy's, because I know she loves Macy's. And I was looking for something for her when all of a sudden, on the aisles, between the clothes, I heard this lady yelling, Navid, Navid. I still don't, I have not forgotten the name. She was yelling the name, Navid, Navid. She was yelling it so much that people started looking at her. I was one of those people among several others. I was wondering what's going on. What is this lady yelling? Is this a foreign word? I mean, she's of a different ethnicity is what I was thinking. What is she yelling? Navid, Navid. Finally, one very compassionate lady goes up to her and says, what's going on? Is there any way I can help? And she said, I lost my son. I don't know where he's at. He was with me just a few seconds ago, and then I went to look at this clothing. I went to look at something else, and when I looked back at him, he was gone. His name is Navid. Can you help me look for him? And the sight that you should have seen was this awesome wonder where a mom where a mom's heart had sunk so low because she thought she lost her son. So she's doing everything that she could. I see mothers in here. I see fathers in here. That's what seek is. Seek is you realize you've lost something of great necessity, not a want, but a need. That you realize I need to look for it. Do you realize your salvation is at hand? Seek it in Jesus Christ. Just to let you know, that story had a good ending. We found Navid hiding in the clothes. You know how the stores have clothes like this? And then he was in the center. He finally came out, and he said, Mom, I didn't want to come out right away because I heard you yelling, and I thought you were mad. And she was like, I, I'm not mad. I'm just scared. Why did you do that, Navid? Well, I wanted to play hide-and-seek from you. Well, you need to tell me that you're playing hide-and-seek. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above.